The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is one of the toughest racetracks to go to. A lot of beating and banging. Very rough driving here. Yeah, he said about like something. He turned left down the straightaway. The 18 trying to force his way in. There it is. And around goes the 22. Less than three to go. The bumper to the back of the 24. Elliott goes around. He comes out of four. It's a drag race. Kyle Busch will win. Yeah, I just told him. I said, look, if you're going to park it in Martinsville, you're going to get hit. 24 and the 11 having a difference. And you can hear the crowd. It's Kyle Busch for the third straight year. He will race for a championship. Speedway provided more drama than the first six races of the playoffs combined. Today we hear more from the drivers. Scanall reveals what they said both in and out of the cars. We are joined by future full-time driver of the legendary 43 car Bubba Wallace. What did Bubba think about the way his pals Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott asserted themselves on Sunday? And with today being Halloween, Rutledge Wood is our man on the street, always asking the timely and hard-hitting questions. But let's say zombie apocalypse really happens. Where are you going? Who are you going with? What's your plan? I know. This, this came out of nowhere. It's I heavy. I wasn't expecting this. It's on everybody's minds uh, these days. <laughs> and with that, we welcome you to NASCAR America. Happy Halloween, everybody. Carol Lamando, Parker Kligerman, and Jeff Burton with you as well. Our set looks beautiful today. We are very festive. I don't know, Jeff, what's more terrifying, a zombie apocalypse or just finding Rutledge Wood somewhere when he comes out of nowhere like that? <laughs> yeah, I think a conversation with Rutledge is probably much more terrifying. I, I, I have to admit, I'm kind of disappointed. I thought you guys would be dressed up today in your Halloween costumes, but you're just wearing your normal stuff. Don't worry, we're surrounded by spiders, which is freaking hey, me out. you could so. have put on a pair of bunny ears or maybe like a pair of kitten ears. Why you is, the, a mechanic onus, in that why is the onus on us only? Let's see, bunny ears and kitten ears. <laughs> that, that, not top of my list, Carolyn, but I appreciate you thinking of All me. Right, I will send some your way. Uh, listen, it's Halloween today. Halloween treats coming early for some at Martinsville. For others, it was a complete house of horrors. Here's the playoff leaderboard. Kyle Busch set for the championship race after winning in overtime. For a while, it looked like Brad Kozlowski would come through, but he ended up fourth after he lost the lead on a restart with four laps to go. He is still 29 points up on the cut line, but without a win, he is not safe. On that restart with four laps to go, Kislowski took the outside lane with Chase Elliott in second on the inside, and many people since that time have asked why he did that. Well, only he has the answer, but from what we can tell, the reason that Brad Kislowski did that was that he had seen success in the outside lane. He had seen it work for his teammate early in the race, being Joey Logano in one of the first restarts of the race, and then also for himself throughout the race. And so he came down to this last restart against Chase Elliott thinking that was the right place to be. But for so many of us, 
I felt like, especially myself, I felt like this left him vulnerable. Vulnerable for exactly what would happen down into turns three and four. With a 24 of Chase Elliott, it's going to drive in a little bit hard, move up the racetrack, and just muscle him out of the way. And that's what happens when you put yourself in the outside lane. And Jeff, this is where we start to see where Brad, maybe his thinking came from. It was early in the race, it looked like the outside lane worked. But as you come down late in the race, you can't let yourself be that vulnerable in the, coming down to late for a win. Yeah, he put himself in a vulnerable position, but he did it for, you know, all the reasons that, that he saw throughout the day. You can see on laps 45, the outside lane worked. So on lap 69, he had the lead. He went to the outside and he made it work. And at this time of the race, the outside was clearly coming in. I, I thought that Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski were going to work together. And the report came from Marty Snyder. No, they're not working together. They're racing each other. And I'm like, why is Brad picking the top? Well, he picked the top and it worked. And it worked lap after lap and time after time. And, you know, Brad Keselowski was, he just was looking at the evidence that had presented itself throughout the day. And, and that's why he made that decision. And I, I'm thinking, though, you know, when we say that he made that decision off of what he'd seen, my, my thing is, you know, as you come down towards the end of these races, knowing how important a win is, what a win could do for that 24 car, do you think maybe, I'm starting to think, like, maybe he wasn't really understanding the situation of that 24 car, knowing that if he can get that victory, that allows that 24 car to go fight for a championship at Homestead, Miami, and also a first win, you know, not thinking, like, maybe he's going to be a little bit more aggressive than he'd had before? Well, I, I, listen, the question is, if Kyle Busch was lined up in second, what line would he have taken? And the reason I ask that is maybe his trust level with Chase Elliott is different than it is with some other people. Maybe he believed that Chase Elliott wasn't going to run him up the racetrack because Chase really, if you think about Chase Elliott, I know there was an incident at Canada, but for the most part, Chase Elliott has been a clean race car driver and to the point of some people being critical about it. You're not, dirt, you're not aggressive enough. So I think that perhaps Brad looked at Chase and said, you know what, I think he's going to race me clean. I'm not worried about it. And he picked the outside. But obviously, it wasn't the right thing to do. It's easy to say that in retrospect. Uh, but, but clearly, when the 24 ran him up the racetrack and took the lead, uh, that made starting on the outside the wrong decision. You both know Brad Kozlowski very well. In conversations that I've had with him, he seems to be a very analytical guy. He watches a lot of tape. He keeps a lot close to the vest. He makes decisions based on what he feels are the best at the time, like so many of these other elite drivers do. He did offer an explanation on Twitter. The outside lane is much faster on clean restarts at Martinsville Speedway. See the trucks race. See the prior restarts. So that, Parker, was, was his explanation for why he did what he did. And no doubt, and I think we all understand and, and agree with him, obviously, that the outside lane was working through the restarts. And I think, you know, he probably felt at that time that his car was probably better than the 24. They'd kind of driven away from the 24 before that caution. And here we see the truck race where Noah Gregson's going to go up against Matt Crafton here on the outside lane, and he's going to make this pass. It's not going to happen one and two, but as they go down the three and four, he's going to get that lane to work, and he's going to drive past Matt Crafton. And I believe that works 90% of the time. My, my only thing was, as you come down late in the races, especially a playoff race and knowing what a win does for your competition, I just think that that was one of those decisions that Brad will look back on and think, you know what, sometimes maybe you got to be a little more defensive than offensive at times. His teammate was directly involved in this, uh, Jeff and Parker, as you know, because he really set the whole thing up. Joey Logano didn't pit when he had a severe tire rub, and that ultimately led to Brad Kozlowski having to make that decision. Here's what Joey Logano's crew chief, Todd Gordon, said about the decision this morning on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio's Morning Drive. 
I guess I'll say it to everybody, all the Team Penske fans and, and uh, everybody out there, I, I probably made a poor call in, in not getting him to pit road uh, before that tire got cut down. Uh, impacted our, our teammates day and I'm regretful for that. Wish I could have that call over but uh, you know we, we make calls in 60 seconds at times and, and don't always have all the facts clear in our head. I failed with that one a little bit and you know, took a, a potential uh, clinching spot from my teammate and uh, really really sorry for that situation and that, that, that thought process. Jeff, you've alluded to this before. We all make a living being a Monday morning quarterback, so to speak. Uh, how difficult are these decisions to make? Well, everything that Todd Gordon said right there is accurate. However, that doesn't make his decision incomprehensible. His decision was based on what was best for the 22 car. And by the way, that's how they raced all day. They didn't race each other as if we need to get the two in the playoffs. They raced each other as if we need a 22 to win. And thank God for that. Thank Todd Gordon and Joey Logano for doing the things they're supposed to do as a race team to race for their own selves. I applaud that. Could he have made a better decision in regard for Penske? Of course he could have. But I hope Todd Gordon doesn't stay awake at night worried about this and how it affects his teammate. You need the entire company to be successful. But what makes these teams work? And the reason Shell Penzoil is there, and the reason Joey Logano is there, the reason Todd Gordon is there, because they want to win races, and they want to contend for championships, and they want to put themselves in position. And with the year that they had, and, and all the disappointments, they had a win right in front of them. And clearly with the tire rub, they weren't going to make it. But Todd Gordon had to go from, I'm going to win this race, I have a chance to win this race, to my day is over and do it that quick and think about the two car. I think it is unreasonable to think that he could make that decision that quick. Could he have done it? Yes. But the fact he didn't do it, I'm fine with it. Todd Gordon needs a race for his race team. He should have no problem from anybody at Penske. I understand the disappointment. And I understand that the people on the two car can say, you know what, had he done this? But listen, the guy needs a race for him and his driver and his sponsors and his crew members. Everybody needs to get off Todd Gordon. But it seems like this entire sport, Jeff, is filled with making difficult decisions. This is the most elite level of, of NASCAR racing. I mean, how do you sure. explain this to the two team? Oh, man, you know, like that one got away from us when it, it's provided to be very costly uh, for the other driver involved in this. I'm sure we could go back and, and review race after race, and the two cars done something at some point that didn't benefit the 22. And everybody needs to understand that, you know, yes, we're going to work together, but there's a fine line too, Carolyn. Remember, there's a team that doesn't even exist anymore because they tried to work together at Richmond and they tried to push the issue so far that eventually it shut them down. And so it's a fine line between taking care of yourself and taking care of a teammate. And what this sport should be about is teams. Yes, we need multi-car teams. It's great that Roger Penske has two teams and is going to have three next year. But what's in the best interest of the fans is that those teams operate together Monday through Saturday, but on Sunday they operate as individual teams because that's what you pay to watch. You pay to go watch your driver mash that throttle and give 100% and that team give 100%, and that's what NASCAR racing should be about. That's my opinion. I know some people disagree, and that's fine. But I want each individual team out there digging and getting what they can get 
because that's what the people pay to watch. Amen. That's all I got to say. Uh, Amen. But, but yesterday on NASCAR America, I guess just my last thing with this, just to make sure that, that we're clear, you know, yesterday on NASCAR America, when you were on the show and Steve Letarte was on the show as well, he basically said, and this is coming from our crew chief, I think this is what he said, that because Joey Logano had a severe tire rub and was out of contention to, to contend for that win, to have that redemptive moment, you know, that he should have gotten out of the way. I mean, how do he you explain, how could've. do you not well, explain well, why that's not the right thing to do there? Well, listen, I didn't say it wasn't the right thing to do. What I said was, I don't think it was wrong. You know, not, there's not everything's in black and white. I think that Joey Logano and his team should be applauded for doing everything they could to win that race. It had a implication on their teammate, no doubt about it. They could have made a better decision in regard to their team. And it had a negative consequence for the two car. And, but, but what Steve also said was they raced each other all day as if each individual team wanted to win that race. And what people have to understand is these are split-second decisions. And Todd Gordon had to go from, I'm going to win this race. We're going to turn our year around right here today to, oh, wait a minute, we got a tire rub. We don't want to mess up the two car. I, I think that's a little bit much to ask. Could it have happened? Of course it could have happened. But put yourself in Todd Gordon's shoes. Todd Gordon's there to win races for that, two, that 22 car. I, I have no issue with what happened at Martinsville whatsoever in regard to that call. And, Jeff, just to add on to that, remember earlier in that race, the 24 car had a bit of a tire issue or tire rub at one point that actually worked out for them. They were able to go far enough before they were able to get it fixed and alleviated. So I, I just think I'm with Jeff on this one. I think this team, Todd Gordon, the 22 team, Joey Logano, they were racing their own race. They were focused on that. And when this happened, they had such a short amount of time at a very small, tight racetrack to make a very quick decision and change of mentality that's just not possible you I, I applaud them for doing what they were doing they went after the race they had such a fast car they were looking like they were going to get by the 24 car at the time and maybe go and run down the two I just think definitely that it was the right it wasn't the right decision but it wasn't there was no you couldn't fault them for not making that decision to help their teammate Parker that's very well said it's it, and again it's not these are not easy decisions and we don't live in a this is very gray this is very gray it's not black and white and 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 i just i i'm tired of teammates always taking care of teammates i just we talk too much about it it's too much emphasis on it these teams need to race for themselves and and work together monday through saturday and race each other on sunday with respect okay i get the respect part but remember remember this Kyle Busch moved his teammate out of the way to win this race. That happened. Are we, were they teammates then? Was Carl Edwards a teammate to Kyle Busch when he moved him out of the way at Richmond? You can't always think about teammates. Sometimes you got to be selfish. It's a fair point. Burton fired up on Halloween. I get to put my devil ears on and just play devil's advocate because it's <laughs> Halloween. I'm going to take that as an excuse. We've got plenty more to talk about on the show. Coming up, Darrell Wallace Jr. is going to join us. He'll tell us what he's been up to as he gets set to become the full-time driver of the 43 car. He'll share his thoughts on the wreck between Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott, too. Chase handled it, I think, a lot better than I would. Um, but, uh, but it's just the circumstances that, you know, these playoff races produce and that's what you know the fans in the sport needs uh, the fans love it they love the attitudes they love the emotions and and uh, that's what you got to bring and that's what you know it's what makes it exciting
Wednesday night is rivalry night. Claude Drew and the Flyers facing off against Patrick Kane and the Blackhawks. That's tomorrow at 8 Eastern right here on NBCSN. But from the ice back to the track, let's look at one of the top moments from this Cup Series season brought to you by Coca-Cola. Big news in NASCAR, obviously involving Richard Petty Motorsports. The 43 car, the iconic car for 2018, will be driven by Bubba Wallace. I'm so excited. This is uh, this is an incredible opportunity, a very humbling experience for me. Just um, you know, this is not, not not my first time around Richard. Green, 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 come on. You know, I'm ready for the challenge. I'm ready for that next step. So looking forward to it. And with that moment, we welcome in Daryl Wallace Jr., who is set to take over the 43 car for Richard Petty Motorsports next season in the Monster Energy Cup Series. Thanks for being with us. What's been going through your mind as you have watched your close friends, Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott, contend for the championship this year, knowing that you could be alongside them next year? Yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, really ready to get the season started. I wish it started, you know, this weekend. But still got a lot of things left uh, to iron out uh, to get ready for that. But uh, pulling for those guys, see how they do, uh, see how they finish out the season. They both asserted themselves, Bubba, uh, this past weekend in Martinsville. We saw Ryan Blaney beating and banging with Kevin Harvick, the two of them having a discussion afterwards. And we saw a different side of Chase Elliott after what happened with Denny Hamlin. Was that in keeping with their personalities? We're all kind of trying to figure out who these young drivers are, and we saw a little bit of that this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I think those guys kind of hold it in a little bit more. Um, Chase handled it, I think, a lot better than I would. Um, but, uh, but it's just the circumstances that, you know, these playoff races produce, and that's what you know the fans in the sport needs. Uh, the fans love it. They love the attitudes. They love the emotions, and and uh, that's what you got to bring. And that's what you know. It's what makes it exciting. So, who knows what's going to happen at Texas if anything does happen? But um, I just know that uh, it's all part of it. And uh, one of those guys will be uh, will be uh, hoisting that trophy up over their head. Hey, man, it's Parker. Uh, just quickly, are you surprised by their aggression, or is this what you've seen out from them throughout all the years you've known them racing against them? Yeah, I've, I've known those guys for a while, and uh, I'm not surprised by it at all. Um, it's just I sit back and watch. I laugh at them because I think it's funny. <laughs> I hear you. It is cool, isn't it? Hey, let's go back to some driving stuff. So early this year, you were doing a great job in the Xfinity Series, and sadly, your team had to be shuttered because of financial reasons. You had to take some time out of the car, and I've talked to a lot of drivers, including myself, who have maybe taken some time out of the car and felt like we saw things that made us a better driver the next time we got that chance, the next time we got in a car. And you actually did that the next time you got in a truck, you went and won. So is there something you've seen in your time out that you felt like you didn't foresee being a gain but has been a positive for you? Yeah, I think really just looking back on, on how far you've come and, and, and what all you've, you've done in your, in your lifetime and in your career, uh, it really shapes you who you're going to be. And I wanted to go into that moment and making, knowing that I could go out there and win this race, uh, that's, that's the only goal I had on my mind uh, was to do that. And, you know, racing, you know, with the Xfinity guys and, and having a cup start underneath my belt um, a couple, a handful of cup starts underneath my belt by then. Um, you know, I felt like I learned a lot and things were a little bit different than how I looked at them before. Uh, the feeling of everything, the mentality going into them was different. So uh, I felt like a, you know, a cup veteran when I was in the truck race. It was, it was kind of a, a different and, and weird feeling. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Hey, one other thing you've done a lot of is a lot of things outside mm -hmm. the sport. You've done some you know, TV shows, you've presented awards, you do a lot of things to grow your brand away from the racetrack. 
as you enter in the Cup Series, have you talked to your friends like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, about maybe trying to continue to do that stuff, even with a more rigorous schedule? Yeah, for sure. We're still going to continue to see how we can, um, you know, format that into our, our schedule and, and, and make that, you know, continue to grow our brands because uh, the stuff we've done in, in the past has been a lot of fun. From, from everything from Nickelodeon to even the little stuff we just post you know, on ourselves. But um, we're going to continue to try to you know, focus on that and, and grow that because that's only helping grow the sport at the same time. So uh, we'll see what we can do on that, on that end. For sure, that is true. All right, let's look ahead. we got Texas coming up. What's your assessment? What are we going to see? You raced at this track in April after the repave. What are you expecting to see in this championship battle at Texas? Yeah, I was trying to figure out if, if uh, the track has done any um, more tire dragging uh, stuff or any VHT stuff because the, the groove when we were there in the spring was horrible. Just one groove, not much racing. If you got out of that groove, you're in the wall. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do on the aspect. Um, but uh, Texas is fast, so um, you know Truex is probably the fan favorite going into it. But there's a lot of guys that's shown some speed uh, there there in the spring, so we'll see what happens. But uh, this is shaping up to be a really good good, good finish at, at Miami. Uh, going into Phoenix, it's a toss up there. So um, fingers crossed for uh, for everybody that 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 deserves a shot. We'll see what happens. We can't let you go without asking you about Halloween. You are going to be driving next year for one of the most recognizable figures in the industry uh, in the King Richard Petty. Do you dare take on a King costume? Maybe this this Halloween or next? Maybe next. This is uh, this is a little bit too early for that. So uh, that's definitely a good idea for for next year. Um, I'll keep that in mind, but there's only one King in NASCAR, so you can't really, you know, reiterate that. Thanks for taking the time. We look so forward to watching you compete in a full-time ride next year. Cool. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> so if you put 40 cars on half-mile short track, you add in the intensity of the playoffs, which is no small thing. Then you just stand back, coming up the best sounds from a very memorable day and night in Scandal Martinsville. Tippers are flaring. Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott. 24 is waiting on us in the back straight. Smart. Be smart. Be smart. Even more fireworks going on. We might see a fight. All right. Oh, yeah! Man, if I only had a camera right now, it's so good. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. Well, Kyle Busch has plenty to celebrate this Halloween after the weekend he had at Martinsville. On Saturday, 19-year-old Noah Gragson of Kyle Busch Motorsports earned his first Truck Series win. After the win, the boss played the role of best friend as Gragson let out his emotions and a little bit more than that to put it nicely and then on Sunday Bush made the trip to victory lane and win in overtime in Martinsville and a trip to Miami as the first driver in the championship four and there may be races deemed more prestigious on the NASCAR schedule but the playoff race at Martinsville Speedway has earned a reputation for delivering what fans want to see so it went again on Sunday let's listen in as we scan on Martinsville An overcast cold day for the final short track race of the season. It's Martinsville Speedway. Have a good day today, guys. Thanks for the hard work as always. Careful, buddy. Probably one of the biggest things today is just not uh, tearing the nose off this thing. 10 4, I'll take care of it like it's my dad's. That 43 Pickery weighs in every car that rolls off is pretty funny. One looks like your twin brother, uh, the bigger one. That's got to be a good looking sub, then. 
Everybody's got to be a legend, even if it's in their own mind. We were a little bit off to start, but uh, nothing more than a few adjustments in, in the rubber going down and the track changing uh, couldn't fix. Out front, Brad Keselowski has taken the lead away. Nice move here. Marvin, set the pace. Take care of it. A.J. Allmendinger is around. Tim Danica saw that hole and tried to fill it, and they made contact. I don't know what he was doing. He was in the second lane and cut down super hard. If you think I have any sympathy for that guy, you don't know me. Kyle Busch gains the lead off of Pit Road. It was really fast on Pit Road all day. Midway through the second stage, the sun was out. Track kind of heated up, I think, a little bit. That's when we were leading. That's when we were the fastest we were all day. They're still trying to get by the 11. The 11 trying to stay on the lead lap. He's going to start charging entry because there's two cars all over him charging entry. Hopefully the 18 understands what I have to do there. It was a little frustrating. The cars that are getting ready to go a lap down are doing everything they can to stay on the lead lap and just don't give the leader much room. Side behind, watch your crossover, watch your crossover, crossover, crossover. He's going to push you. Remember that word patience that we heard earlier in this race? Yeah, that, that's the first half. The second half, those don't exist. Oh, he just rolls in there and moves you. Man, it looked like Blaney, he turned left down the straightaway. Long way to go. He's going to be a jerk about it. Yeah, he's been racing. Everybody like that all day. What the hell is his problem? Slowing down way too much trying to block these guys, but I'm not trying to block anyone. Each position, each point is uh, highly important. That's why I was racing with the 22 and the 24 when I had a run on them. You know, it's like, hey, I can I can get one, possibly two spots right now. Gonna make it three wide. The 18 trying to force his way in. Uh, I just had no room. They didn't give me any room. You can go three wide here. It's tight, but you can probably make it. But they were running me into the grass and the curb down at the bottom. So um, we all kind of got together there a little bit. Logano's got a major tire rub on the left front corner. Thanks, Kyle. Probably gonna go flat there, Todd. Settle back in here now. I don't know if the 22's gonna make it or not. 12 to go. How long will that tire last? There it is. He spins. That was about big for behind us. It'll be four laps to go when they get to the start-finish line. We gotta stay here. No way we can pit now. Those two guys in front of you raced the heck out of each other. Rough each other up both times. Just be aware. Side by side for the lead down the back stretch. Roll over your door. Run you up here. Gonna run you up. Gonna well, Kevlowski all the way to the wall. They didn't even try to make a corner there, Paul. Do what they call racing. It's bull. Elliot has the lead, but Hamlin, the bumper to the back of the 24. Oh, he just wrecked us. Hamlin takes the lead, and the caution comes out. Yeah, he definitely wrecked me. I feel your pain, bro. He checked up way early. Well, Denny Hamlin jacked up the 24. Make no mistake about that. Wow, well, that's like dumping a guy. Yeah, that was pretty much straight up dumping him. That's terrible. What happened? 11 drove through the 24. That's it. It just seemed like a roulette wheel spinning there the last couple restarts. You just didn't know what was going to happen and who was going to slip up, who was going to make a mistake, and who was going to be on the short end of the stick. That was one door kind of opening and the seas kind of parting, letting us through. Two playoff guys take out another playoff guy. That's how they're racing each other up front here. They got a lot more to lose than we do right now. Look at Clint Boyer running third. What a great opportunity he has in front of him. That uh, grandfather clock's getting closer here. How bad do you want it in the back of your truck? Teammates from Joe Gibbs Racing side by side. White flag in the air. Kyle Busch on the inside. Kyle Busch up the racetrack. He moves the 11 up. I got loose and, and washed up the racetrack more than I wanted to. I, I didn't want to force him high like I did, but um, it's kind of what happened. I didn't expect it from a teammate. Come on now. 
had the 78 kind of looking underneath me, so I made sure to give him enough room. Into the final turn, here comes the 78 of Truex Jr. It's a drag race. Outside, come on, give the gas, 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 gas. Gotta beat him to the line, beat him to the line, beat him to the line. Yes, sir, checkers. Damn it, seconds. Tippers are flaring. Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott. 24 is waiting on us in the back straight. Smart, be smart, be smart. Got more fireworks going on. We might see a fight. All right. Hell oh, yeah. Man, if I only had a camera right now, this is so good. What happened? They're out of the car. Jason, Denny. Jason, beat him down. I would. Yeah, I mean, we know what it's like. Denny just bumps the engine. Yeah, he just does. I don't know that I've ever heard Virginia native Denny Hamlin booed here in his home state, but we're hearing a lot of that from the grandstand. To get out of here and not be one of the guys that uh, maybe some teams are mad at and and to not have to worry about getting through on points or trying to win a race in the next two and get the trophy on top of that's a, a big relief. We had thought we'd heard everything that could be said on Sunday after the race at Martinsville, but did you pick up on anything else that was interesting to you in this scandal? Well, what I saw from that just confirmed something I've thought for a while, and Dale Hart Jr. brought it up after the race. We need more short tracks. That was so cool. <laughs> I loved it. I love the emotions that come out there and the close racing, and I think that is a product of when the racing isn't aerodynamically dependent. You can get some awesome stuff like that. Jeff, what about you? I think it's great how all the drivers think it's so awesome when two drivers are confrontational after it, unless they're one of the two. Then they don't like it. So I think it's funny to hear the drivers talking about it, the spotters talking about it. But when you're in the middle of it, there's no fun in that. We saw a fan getting confrontational with Denny Hamlin as well. There were a lot of fans. You heard them that were in Chase Elliott's corner on Sunday. That's always the case, though, at the Dawsonville pool room in his hometown of Dawsonville, Georgia. And this was pretty great after the race. Uh, those at the pool room, not too happy with Denny Hamlin punting their driver with a chip to the championship on the line. So on Sunday night, their Twitter account replied to a fan, all FedEx boxes go straight to the dumpster. And FedEx, of course, being Hamlin's main sponsor. That tweet actually drew a response from FedEx customer service. They were they a little asked, confused. Yeah, they asked if they needed uh, assistance. Rochelle, hey, do you guys need some help? And then the forum came back with the zinger. Uh, yes, tell your driver, Denny Hamlin, to learn how to drive a race car. Nice little exchange there. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of heat from the Dawsonville pool room. What else do you expect is Martinsville? Uh, still to come, Jimmy Johnson and Ryan Blaney are chasing after the final transfer spot to the championship. But after Sunday's race, which one should be worried about their chances? A discussion on that next. So much on the line. You want pressure, Rick? This is pressure. Eight drivers will move on to start the round of eight. Martin Truex Jr. is going to win the first race of the playoffs. Kyle Busch will win. Nothing is automatic in the playoffs. Keselowski is going to win at Talladega. Drama at a peak level.
the playoff drivers could walk through that open door in a doubleheader weekend at Texas Motor Speedway Saturday night. The Xfinity Series, 8.30 Eastern Sunday. The Monster Energy Cup Series, that one's at 2 Eastern right here on NBCSN. So we talked a little bit about Jimmy Johnson yesterday with Jeff and Steve. He managed to cobble together eight stage points on Sunday early on in the race. He was really aggressive, but he didn't show anything necessary to be a contender at Martinsville, a place where he normally does exceptionally well or has in the past. What say you about what Jimmy Johnson's playoff future looks like now? Well, continuing throughout this playoffs, I've wanted right off the 48 because they just have not shown us the speed, the execution to go out there and contend for a championship. And I, there's been glimpses at here and there, and I've talked to Jimmy, and he's very positive and very optimistic about their situation. And Chad Knauss maybe not so much being as optimistic, feeling like they need to find speed in those race cars. And so continually, though, we watch these places like a Martinsville where we think of the 48 being a lock to go run in the top five, to go find what he needs out of that 48 car, and Chad to know what to give him. And we just hadn't seen that. And so now you start to think as we're going to a mile and a half next at Texas where they've struggled a little bit as of late, you just have to think, where, where is this going to come from? Where is that little bit of magic going to come from that says to us the 48 is going to challenge up front and they're going to get themselves in the championship four and they're going to go on to race for a championship. And I know last season he entered Homestead Miami very much in a similar situation in terms of people probably thinking he was the underdog in that sense and then goes on to win the championship. So I just think it's, uh, it's one of those things where you want to write them off, but I can't. I can't do it because of what we've seen them do before where they've just mustered an ability to go out and win when everyone else doubted them. So yesterday on the show, Steve wrote him off. I know Jeff, he did, but Jeff, I can't join him there. Jeff, I can't. Jeff was on the fence, like more in your camp. So I'm wondering now, after like a period of 24 hours, Jeff, are you willing to step to the dark side yet on Halloween? Or are you still staying in the you can't write them off camp? I'm in the afraid I would be wrong camp. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, listen, I, ultimately, I think this, think about this for just a moment. So Jimmy Johnson's been the king at Hendrick Motorsports for many years, right? And, and you know, he kind of dethroned Jeff Gordon. And I made this comment last year. Is Chase Elliott the guy now taking the crown? And so, in context to this playoffs, does anybody believe that Chase Elliott can't win the next two races? Because I believe he can. I believe he's consistently put himself in position to win races. So think about this. If he wins, who is the guy that gets hurt the most by that? And my belief is Jimmy Johnson. Because you're taking the guy that's at last in points, moving him to the top, pushing up somebody else out. Now Jimmy Johnson's got to beat two other people in points. And who are those two people he can beat? I don't see it. So I really believe that the 48 success, opportunity for success, depends on the 24 not having it. And we've never, we haven't seen that, Henry, before in a long time. And to add on to that point, Jeff, think about this. As we go to Texas, the 24 car has been one of the best cars for the playoffs. And one of the places he surprised myself the most, and I think a lot of people, is the speed they've had the mile and a half. Think about all the way back to Chicago, Charlotte, Kansas. They've been one of the fastest cars on the mile and a half, where the 48 has not been. So it's one of those things where what are they doing differently than that 24 car? But you have to think that 24 car can absolutely go and win Texas, which, to your point, puts the 48 in a terrible position. We also haven't discussed, Jeff, Ryan Blaney, where he stands in all this. We've talked ad nauseum at, at this point about him and Kevin Harvick and them beating and banging on each other. But from a playoff perspective, where do you see Ryan Blaney? 
Well, he's earning my trust. He's earning my confidence. I, you know, I thought Kansas was a huge test. Uh, qualified well, got wiped away. They had to start in the back. Worked his way up, did a methodical job, a very good job. Went to Martinsville, a place where everybody said, you know, he never finished well at Martinsville before. Uh, went there and ran well. They didn't run as well toward the end of the race, but they went, ran well, had a terrible pit selection, made that work. I'm starting to believe that the moment's not too big for Ryan Blaney. And I, I'm a fan of Ryan Blaney's, but until you put somebody in that pressure cooker, you don't know how they're going to respond. But Ryan Blaney has been spot on. He's done a very good job. So. It, at this point, it wouldn't surprise me to see him move into Miami Homestead. And I would agree with you, and I'd say on the flip side of the 48, you find the 21. This is a team that's on an upswing. I agree with everything you said about Kansas. That was an incredibly impressive day. And then this past weekend was impressive. To go to a racetrack, he hadn't had the results in cup and muster out his best finish in cup, run the best he has at Martinsville. I just have become a big believer of this race team as we enter into Texas, considering what they did there in April. He led 148 laps. He was the best car there. I really think that Ryan Blaney is setting up in this 21 car to make a run at this championship here late in the playoffs. And this is what's great about the playoffs, right? I don't think there's many of us that watched this 21 car come into the playoffs, including myself. I was a doubter and thought, yes, they're going to go to the championship four and they're going to be a contender. But now as we get down here at the end of this round, I'm a big believer. I don't see a reason why this 21 car can't go to Texas, run up front, possibly win, and find themselves racing for a championship and be a real contender when they get there. Parker, I believe that Martinsville is the most difficult race to manage for 500 laps of everywhere we go. I, that, uh, they're in Bristol, but I believe Martinsville is harder than Bristol to manage now that Bristol is multiple groups. So Ryan Blaney went there and showed me with Kevin Harvick pounding on his rear bumper with the pressure of a former champion, a, a guy that is known to be a tough racer, pounding his bumper, putting tons of pressure on him all day long, and he survived that. And I thought, I think that was the defining moment. It wasn't a win. It wasn't a great finish. It was playoff. It was stage points. It was a reasonable finish. To me, that was kind of the defining moment, even above his win, because now the pressure's on. And he delivered under the pressure. If you can't have Kyle Larson and Martin Truex Jr. going head-to-head -head at Homestead, maybe the next best thing is two young drivers, Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr., who's proven that he's basically there. Uh, coming up, we are going to see how some NASCAR teams and fans got into the Halloween spirit today. Our social pit stop on this spooky Halloween coming up next. Why do they have to put the lobster on your plate and his fucking eyeballs yeah, are right true. there. That's true. Would you rather be stuck on an island with Kyle Petty or Rutledge Wood? I think I'm, I'm safer by myself. <laughs> I know you had a button on the dash that just puffed out white smoke or blew up your motor. Don't play with me. <laughs> My parents will tell you that I would just not show up for work. That's crap. I did show up for work. Dad puts the roll cage in it. The door won't go on because the roll cage is so flat. <laughs> get the door welded across the bottom. I got the sides welded, but I can't, and I, I'm like, Dad, you had screwed up. Why didn't you narrow up the cage a little bit? And he got so mad at me because it was so, he spent so much time putting that cage in there. He's like, you, you, you ain't grateful. And the NASCAR part of it, if he had just said no, <laughs> I wouldn't be knee deep in debt right now, okay? <laughs> he got me into racing. It's been fun for me, and it's great to be a part of the NASCAR family. 
Our live shows from the NASCAR Hall of Fame have been so real, so good this year. And we're back at it again tomorrow, joined by future teammates at Hendrick Motorsports, William Byron and Alex Bowman. We're going to discuss their career path in NASCAR and the outlook for next season and have some laughs along the way, I'm sure, too. That's tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern right here on NASCAR America. Time now to take a social pit stop. The NASCAR Universe celebrating Halloween. So we start out west with Furniture Row Racing, a nice suite there, 78, carved into a pumpkin. Race fan Garrett McKinnon's son is a big Joey Logano fan, and so here is how he paid some homage to his favorite driver. That is impressive. That is impressive. Knowing how hard it is to carve a pumpkin, that is very That's impressive. good stuff. Um, how about RCR posing this photo? I love this one. Of a young fan who dressed up as Xfinity Series driver Daniel Hemrick. That's perfect. Wow. Uh, this next one's not too shabby either. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Danica Patrick going out as Happy Gilmore and Grandma. Watch this. I can't tell who's who. Yeah, That's Stenhouse is here. pretty good on the links, by the way. He won yes. the Golf Guys Tour title earlier this month. I wonder if month. he can drive just like Happy Gilmore. That like is an doing awesome the costume to it. with the subway shirt, too. I love it. And then uh, we have one from the Johnson fam. Jimmy Johnson oh. and the family <laughs> dressed up as the Von Trapp from The Sound of oh. Music. Yes, that's good stuff. Staying with the Halloween theme, uh, coming up, our Rutledge Wood is the man on the street to ask a few drivers some of the scary questions that come with Halloween. Let's say zombie apocalypse really happens. Where are you going? Who are you going with? What's your plan? I know. This, this came out of nowhere. It's I heavy. I wasn't expecting this. It's on everybody's minds these days. He will sweep stage one, stage two, and the win in here in Las Vegas. He won earlier this year on the mile and a half in Las Vegas. He's going to do it again tonight here at Kansas Speedway. Martin Truex Jr. gets the win. Yeah. It has been a perfect 10 for Martin Truex Jr. His 10th career win. It will come at Kentucky. He's on his way to victory lane for the fifth time in 2017. Martin Truex Jr. wins at Chicago Land. He's been dominant at mile and a half tracks. Coming out of turn four, Martin Truex Jr. will win the Bank of America 500. Number seven here at Kansas Speedway. Martin Truex Jr. has been dominant on the mile and a half tracks this season. That right there was your proof. He has earned the series record six wins out of nine races, including four in a row. Can he make it five straight this Sunday at Texas? While Truex is aiming for his first career NASCAR championship, he was recently asked about another life-changing event. Here's our man on the street, Rutledge Wood, to explain. It seems far-fetched. But let's say zombie apocalypse really happens. Where are you going? Who are you going with? What's your plan? I know. This, this came out of nowhere. It's I heavy. I wasn't expecting this. It's on everybody's minds uh, these days. What's your plan, zombie apocalypse? Well, this is not a lie. It's a guy that lives near us that already has like a underground bomb shelter. He's a prepper. And he's he is a prepper. I've never been to Carl Edwards house or property but uh, from what I've heard 
he's prepared. It's always the ones you never think of, you know? Yeah. There's a guy that used to race in our sport and doesn't race anymore that is a huge prepper. I've heard that! And I'm not gonna call his name out. Have you heard uh, a former teammate of yours some people would label as a prepper? I have a lot of former teammates you're gonna have to specify. I don't. I won't say his name, but it rhymes with Schmarl Schmedwards. <laughs> you know of any other drivers that would be labeled you know as preppers? Tank? Brad Keselowski wants a tank. Everybody wants a tank. That's the difference. That's an easy one. Who doesn't want a tank? I guess uh, I'll have to find out if Dale Jr. got his tank yet because maybe he'd go to his house and you know either hang out in the basement and. Uh, and have a good time and wait for it to be over or get in the tank and go make some things happen. I don't even really know what a zombie outbreak is. I don't really get into any of that, that stuff, so I'm not super concerned about that right now. Just on paper, I don't think it can happen, which is odd that people prepare for such a thing. Yeah. Let me ask I mean, you. I don't know if it'd be that much different than preparing for an interview with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, will a zombie be killed with a flamethrower? I mean, what's not fun about a flamethrower? fun to burn some zombies. Sure. Who could burn that beard off your face with a flamethrower? Uh, zombie attacks in general was something I seen as it's like I don't freak out about. I don't know. It just doesn't totally seem cool. that doesn't seem that scary to me. But if I did have to go somewhere, um, I don't know. I guess on a boat. Just live on a boat in the ocean and you wouldn't have to go far. Like I don't think zombies can swim, can they? I don't think they can. That's a genius idea. I mean you really just need to be like 30 feet. Shore. Yeah, 30 feet offshore. See it. So if you really have to, you can go get more supplies, but I mean I've never seen a zombie swim. No, me either. You go to a bar. Why? Bars have literal bars on the windows. Can't get in or out. And you can get up on the roof. And there's supplies there. There's beer, water, snacks. That's my plan. You know, you got to get a group of people, you know, no more than five, because other than that, you, you're wasting supplies. I already know the spots I'd go, actually, uh, around Mooresville. So it's going to happen eventually. We'll see if I'm around when it does. <laughs> I don't know what kind of bars Ryan Blaney's going to, but I, I normally, I haven't walked into too many establishments recently that have uh, bars on the window. And why did we bury the lead on this Halloween show? Wait. Carl Edwards is ready for the zombie apocalypse, Jeff? I think we're all missing it. Burton's garage is where he should head. I guess. Right, I'm Jeff? I'm concerned that Blaney is that prepared. Like, he sought this thing out. Before that question got to him, he already knew what he was doing. That concerns me. He's, just up, to, he's up to no good. Did you know that Carl Edwards was always prepared in case of a catastrophe? You've known him a while. I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> Nor did I need to. Okay. All right. We've got spiders. I we was told totally we have a real spider underneath the desk. <laughs> Everybody have a great Halloween. It's been a pleasure to be with you all. Uh, that's it for NASCAR for America for today. Don't forget, tomorrow we are live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame with William Byron and Alex Bowman. Those shows are always great, so make sure you're with us for those. You get started at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can also head over to NBCSports.com for the latest NASCAR news and stories. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.